secret. You ever have a secret? Nobody knows. We're starting a new series today, My Secret. And uh, we're going to be looking at secrets that we keep. And we all keep them. I mean, things we hide, or at least think we hide. I mean, Solomon reminds us that God sees it all. I mean, you may fool everyone else, but you won't fool God. Proverbs 15 says, even hell holds no secrets from God. Do you think he can't read human hearts? Not only does God see our secrets, but God deals with them. In Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon says, God will judge everything we do, even what's done in secret, whether good or bad. And I want to look at a, at a couple scriptures to give us kind of a foundation for this series. Uh, it was kind of born uh, out of these uh, scriptures. Proverbs uh, 28, it says, People who conceal their sins, that stuff in the secret area, we will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive what? Mercy. And that's what we're going to do in this series. We're going to take and stop hiding, stop concealing, stop living in the secret world of ours, and we're going to confess those things. We're going to turn from those secret sins in the presence of God. And we're going to find what? Mercy. Mercy. You know, John or Job uh, 11 says, Surrender your heart to God, turn to him in prayer, and give up your sins, even those you do in secret. Shh. I have a secret. I mean, nobody knows. And I want to tell you what today's topic is, so it is no secret to you. Today we're going to talk about Lies. Lies. I mean, I'm talking about exaggerations. We're talking about falsification. We're talking about misrepresentation. We're talking about a spin, a stretch. Whatever you want to call it, it may be your secret, but it's a lie. It's a lie. I remember when I was in high school, uh, one of the highlights of my summer was going to Christian camp. And uh, I really looked forward to Christian camp every, every summer, try and go a couple times. And um, we had a, a speaker that throughout, throughout the years, he, he was a speaker, and his name was Kent Paris. And Kent Paris was kind of one of these hard-hitting Vesper speakers, and uh, he really just kind of come at you raw and uh, up front with things. And I remember the first night one year, he was talking to us, and when he finished up, he said, I want to ask you guys to prepare for tomorrow night. He says, how many of you would commit to reading Mark chapter 17? And, you know, I don't know if every hand went up, 
but just about. Every hand went up at camp. The next day, between classes that we had in the morning and softball and swimming and box hockey and all this stuff just goofing around, I forgot all about it. And that evening at, at Vespers, he, he stepped up to speak, and Kent goes, how many of you read Mark 17? And my mind immediately, you know, I'm trying to figure, I'm like, oh, no, you know. And uh, I watched hands going up, and then a few more, and I'm like, oh, no, I forgot to do it. And I usually read my Bible every day, and I think I read through the Gospels a couple months ago. And so you, you understand what's going on in my head, right? Justification. And so I raised my hand. I know you're disappointed, aren't you? <laughs> I was in high school, okay? Then Kent goes, everybody that's raising your hands, I want you to stand up. So I stood up. And he said, let's give them a round of applause. And oh man, everybody's going crazy. And he says, have a seat. Now, I'll be honest, I was sitting there, and I'm thinking, that felt pretty good to get honored for that. felt really good. And then Kent goes, let's turn to Mark 17. And the first one that finds it gets to read it. And so, remember, I, I kind of grew up in this environment. We used to have Bible drills, so, man, the pages are flying. We're trying to figure it out. My buddy next to me, Larry... He's not doing anything, which is really rare for, for Larry because he's always in the Word. And Larry's kind of leaning into me, and he elbows me, and he starts snickering. And I'm racing. I found Mark. You know, I'm like, Mark 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, Luke. Luke whoop, whoop, whoop. And Kent goes, today, I want to talk about lying. That was a true lesson in life. Even if I had read it, read a passage now, and they asked me to do that, I'd be like, not taking a chance, not taking a chance. Shh. I have a secret. How many of you lie or have lied in your life? Let me see your hands. All right? If someone wasn't raising their hand, just lean into them and go, liar. <laughs> now, you may have to go home alone, but, uh, you know, the book, uh, The Day America Told the Truth, they did a survey, and they've, they've updated that survey. And they, they found out 91% of Americans... Admit to lying regularly. Two out of three believe there's nothing wrong with lying under certain circumstances. Only 31% of Americans believe that honesty is the best policy. Time had a cover article. They called it Lying. Everybody's doing it. And then underneath it, it goes honest. And they they concluded in that article that our culture, that lines embedded, get this, in our character. And even those that say they don't lie are probably lying. 
You know, the article started out, it says everyone lies. You, me, everybody. We lie to our families. We lie to our friends. We, we lie to our bosses and our co-workers. We lie to ourselves. We lie and lie some more. We fib, we fudge, we fabricate, we embellish and exaggerate. And we learn at an early age, don't we? I mean, you do not. How many of you have children? All right. You do not have to gather your kids together when they're about three and go, today, I'm going to teach you how to lie. You don't, do you? I mean, just one day, they do it. They lie. I, I've seen it with my kids. I've seen it with my grandkids. You know, Jesus one day is talking to a group of people, and he confronts them because they're lying a lot. They were into deception, and they were in denial about who they really were. And Jesus just stops them in their tracks, and he says, I have to tell you something. I mean, something you're not going to want to hear. But the lies that you're telling, the deceit you're involved in right now, it's because you have the nature of the evil one, who's the father of lies. Stories told in John, he goes further. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. He's talking about Satan there. But there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And the full account, when you, when you read it, you know, Jesus is saying, do you know why you lie? Do you know why you're lying? You know, do you know why you're being deceitful? He says, even right now, when you're talking to me, you are being true to your nature. You have an unredeemed nature. You know, it's governed by the evil one, this father of lies. That's why you're telling so many lies. Because you're connected, you're tethered. You know, it's the nature of the unredeemed to be loose with the truth. You know, to, to lie to God, to lie to themselves, to lie to those around them. And Jesus says, put that in contrast to those that have been born again. He says, when the, when the Holy Spirit takes up residency in your life, the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you. The Holy Spirit's going to urge you, energize you to tell the truth to yourself and to other people and to God. John 16, 13 says, but when the Spirit, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into what? All truth. I've noticed something. When, when I'm teaching or when someone else is teaching, when we start kind of, uh, I call it getting honest about who we are, and I start getting honest about who I am, sharing a truth about myself, and I'll say something like, you know, here, here's the truth about Damon. I struggle with sin. I struggle. You know, I, I'm concerned, sometimes overly concerned, about what people think about me. You know, I try to control my, my image. You know, I try to control circumstances or, you know, how people feel. And, and as I'm talking, you know, and you can pick any topic, but you're kind of exposing yourself to, to everyone. There's something that happens in here. 
And it's almost a, a fairly neat uh, division in, in, in the auditorium. And you need to remember, we're all in different places. I mean, some people are here and they're kind of checking God out. They're, they're trying to figure out if God fits in their life. Some of us are, are young in our faith and some of us are mature in our faith. So as I'm talking and sharing and going, okay, I struggle with this or this or, you know, pick your poison, and I'm talking, people go, whoa, this guy's got a lot of problems. Seriously. I mean, what's he doing up there? I am not like that. I am not like that at all. And friends, can I tell you what that's about? It's about just lying to ourselves, lying to God. But, but there's another segment, and you can see it, and people start shaking their head. I'm like that. I'm probably worse. You know, and I'll start sharing examples, you know, of maybe something I did or whatever, and they'll be like, oh, I can top that, you know. <laughs> You're a lightweight in that area, Seriously. And as I'm moving through the message, you can feel it. It's like, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Seriously, I, oh man, I'm all over that. What's going on? I mean, what's the difference? Well, I want to suggest it's the Holy Spirit inside. Holy Spirit prompting and saying, just admit the truth about yourself. Admit it to God. Admit it to yourself. Admit it to the people that you're in relationships with. The Holy Spirit's saying, be a truth teller. I mean, the Holy Spirit does that in your life. It changes your nature. You know, from being someone who plays really loose with the truth to someone that's increasingly committed to not only recognizing the truth, but telling the truth in their lives. I mean, let me ask you, what do you do when your back's up against the wall? What do you do when you're trying to close the deal and it's so close? I mean, what do you do when you really want to impress somebody? Or what do you do when someone confronts you about a mistake? Or more importantly, what do you say? What do you say? I mean, do you give an exaggeration? Do you give a falsification, a misrepresentation, a spin, a stretch, a lie? Or do you tell the truth in an open, honest, you know, transparent, kind of authentic way? I mean, what do you do in those situations? Because God, throughout his word, says that we're to be people that tell the truth. The Bible literally says God is truth. You know, untruth and lying are really contrary to God's character. It goes against the, the grain of who God is. And I believe that God gets really upset when we lie. Because, you know why? Because of the damage it does. Because of, of either believing a lie or telling a lie. You know, the, it's been a problem since the beginning of time. Culture struggles with, with truth. All you got to do is pick up paper, be an observer of life. You know, it takes a, a team of lawyers and reams of paper just to do a simple agreement. I bought a dishwasher uh, a couple weeks ago. 
this is no joke. They brought a two-page piece out that I had to sign off on, and I go, what's this about? Because we were paying for the thing. And I'm like, why do I got to sign it? Because we're going to be in your house, and we've got to cover ourselves, basically. And I thought, how sad is that? You know, lying. It's so easy. The psalmist says, you love evil rather than good. God says falsehoods rather than speaking the truth. You know, you read uh, Proverbs 6, and it tells us there are seven things that God hates. Two of them have to do with verbal dishonesty. You know, it's a lying tongue or a a false witness who pours out lies are are the two. Lying is something God hates. He hates it. Mark Twain said there are 869 different kinds of lies. I have no idea how he got that. I don't. (laughs) But when it comes to lying, I know there are all kinds of ways that we lie. In fact, we're pros at this one. How many of you are watching the NBA games? Anybody? (laughs) All right, come on. Don't be be bashful. Who's lying out there? I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to raise my hand. All right, how many of you are rooting for Orlando? All right. How many are rooting for the Lakers? All right. Well, here, here's what I thought, because I was watching the games, and so it starts meshing in my head. And I thought, you know, we're such pros at lying. I thought I would look at six NBA-type lies. You know, the, they're lies that we hit the court of life with. We think nobody sees us. You know, and what I want to do is look at those six things, look at some of the motives, and then talk about... How do we get a handle online, all right? So the first, first NBA-type lie that we tell is what I would call the Orlando magic. And, and this is when we hit the court. You know, we perform just a little bit of magic, maybe on a resume, kind of boost ourselves up, you know, make ourselves look good, you know, make up an accomplishment or act like a, a celebrity uh, or act like we, we know someone when all we did was pass them one day in the hall, you know. And we perform a little magic. We perform a little magic. We, we prop ourselves up to improve our, our image, to get noticed, to maybe impress somebody in, in our lives. And the motive behind that, it's insecurity. I mean, if we were to go and, and pull back the blind and take a look, we would find someone that's very, very insecure behind there. It's interesting. They did some studies. They said 40% of resumes that are sent out are full of lies. They, they track it back to, to a sense of if I really just put who I am, I mean, I'm, I'm not good enough. Sometimes we use this kind of lie, this magic lie, to, to hide hurts in our life. You know, someone's hurt us really bad, and so we say things like this. That doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me at all. When, in reality, it's tearing us apart. You know, someone threatens us, you know, and so we go, well, go ahead and leave. See if I care. I don't care. And inside, it's tearing us apart. Orlando magic. 
We do that a lot. How about the New Orleans Hornets? This, this is a lie with a sting. Someone hurts you. Someone damages you. Uh, Maybe a co-worker or an ex or a friend. And so you get really mad. You get mad. You get mad as a hornet. And you start lying. Why? So that you can sting them. So you can fix them. So you can kind of get even with them. You know, you you throw something out. Kind of let it float around. see See if anybody will grab you know, advertise some things that aren't true. And you sting with lies. Why? Because you want to cause damage. You, you don't like someone. They hurt you. You want to get even. And so you misrepresent them. You make up a lie. Or, or get this, I've had people go, well, I did not lie. I just didn't tell everything I knew. That's a lie, friends. If you leave part of the story out, it's a lie. See it all the time with politicians. Spend all kinds of money on ads, and and they sling the lies. Now, they don't call it lies. They don't even call it slander. You know what they call it? Well, that would be our spin on that. Friends, it's very evident. The intent of what we're saying is to cause pain, to sting someone. You know, Sadducees, they, they did that to Jesus. They just trumped up some charges on him so they could nail him to a cross. I mean, what's what's the motive behind the sting? You know, what's the motive behind that? Jealousy, revenge, anger, hate, hurt, resentment. When we deeply, deeply get hurt, all of us, all of us, you have to watch yourself because it's easy to become a hornet at that time. How about the Denver Nuggets? There's another, another one. This, this is where you deal with deception. They're just golden little nuggets that you throw out there. I mean, these are lies of convenience. Um, you throw out the, the little nugget, you toss them out because it's easier. You know, it's easier than dealing with what's really going on. And in our minds, we, we throw these things out and we say, well... I'm doing it because I don't want the pressure of everything. Now, see if you can follow with me. How many many married couples we have? All right. So, you're out shopping. They come out of the dressing room. Honey, do these jeans make me look fat? All right, here we go, here we go. You're thinking, yes. (laughs) But you go, no, they look great. Now, don't misunderstand me. Do not dig a hole for yourself in life. But but we go, sure, they look great. Why? Because we don't want to go through all the craziness, you know. know. How, How about this nugget? Sitting at home, you're both relaxing, telephone rings. Hello. Uh, she's not here right now. Could I take a message? All right, let's, let's just see how honest we are. How many of you have ever done that? All right. How about this? I'd be happy to help you next Thursday. I'll, I'll be at the party. 
you know, I'll, I'll pray for you. I, I will be there next weekend. You can count on it. But it's just a nugget because you have no intention. As the words are flowing off your tongue, you have no intention of following through. Or how about the nugget where you just don't want to get involved? No, officer, I didn't see a thing. What's the motive? What's the motive behind those little nuggets? Well, sometimes it's convenience. Sometimes it's we just don't want to take the time to work through whatever it is. Sometimes it's just laziness. It's just easier to throw out that little nugget. You know, people call it, they go, well, it's diplomacy. It's diplomacy. You know, like you're at someone's house. Have you ever had this happen? You're at someone's house and, and time is dragging on. You're like, Phew. And you go, I'm sorry, we got to go. Um, we've got to be somewhere in a few minutes. You don't have anywhere to be. Now, now don't, please don't misunderstand me. I am not suggesting that, like in a moment like that, that you go, you know, frankly, we are bored to tears. We're going to get out of here. <laughs> you know. Some of you are going, I'm bored right now. You know, it's like, but I'm not saying be rude. But you do not have to throw a little nugget out there in order to go home. And I know as we throw that nugget out, we, we think, we think that we're doing the right thing at the time. But my point is you don't have to do that. You don't have to lie. You can just go, we're going to go now. You know, had a good time or whatever. The psalmist says, that would be a lie too. <laughs> is that what I heard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, had, we had a good, all right, all right. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we had a nice 10 seconds with you. <laughs> so the psalmist says, does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Does anybody want to do that? Yeah. Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Here's another NBA lie. The Miami Heat. This is what happens when the heat's on. When the pressure's on. When when the temperatures are rising around you. What do you say? What do you say when the police pull you over? You know, what do you say when your boss pushes that button? Young, young people, what do you say to your parents when you get busted? You know, so in that moment, in the heat of that moment, we toss out lies. We're, why? Because we're hoping to escape whatever it is we, we've done. And we have all done this from time to time in our lives. I mean, we are in really good company. Simon Peter, he's talking to Jesus one night. And Jesus is about to be crucified. You know, they're about to come and arrest him. And Peter turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, I'm with you. I am the man of the hour. You know, I am a strong, truth-telling tower. I will never leave you. I will back you up 100%. I will never misrepresent you. I am all in. And Jesus confronts him and says, Simon, you're going to lie about me. In fact, you're going to lie about me several times over the next few hours. 
And the New Testament says that he began, Peter began to follow at a distance. And I'll tell you, friends, you put distance between you and Jesus Christ, watch out, watch out. Because that night, a little girl approaches Peter, says, Peter, or she points to the man and says, aren't you one of his disciples? Aren't you, aren't you connected with Jesus? And Peter felt the heat. He goes, I don't know him. Three times Peter feels the heat that night, and three times he lies. I mean, what's, what's the motive in that kind of lie? Well, it's fear. It's fear. It's the kind of lie you tell so that you can escape the consequences, so you can avoid punishment, so you can protect yourself from, from something. And the fear just kicks in. Maybe it's a fear of not fitting in. Maybe it's a fear of not being cool. But in the heat, you just lie. You just lie. Here's another one. How about the Los Angeles Clippers? Sorry, Laker fans. But this is the other L.A. team. And this is when people lie and they clipper things. You know, we we clip. We cut, we paste, we trim it down, we add a little truth to it, and we add a little lies to it, and we do whatever we want. And then, after we get done clippering, we present it as the truth. People do it all the time. You know, the New Testament uh, times when uh, Paul was preaching, there were all these false religions around him. And they were clippering. They were clippering. They were slicing and dicing Jesus. They were slicing and dicing God's word. And false religions started clipping and cutting and pasting. little truth here. Insert a little fabrication. Misrepresentation over here. Create this kind of clipper type faith. And guess what? People bought in. It's all around us today. New Age movement. Scientology. Numerology, a distortion. See, it's very clever because we take a little bit of truth and mix in a little lie. And then we mix it up and we go, here's the truth. And, and friends, I'll tell you, you know, it's one thing to take someone else's words, you know, maybe a teacher or spouse, friend, a boss, a pastor. You know, that's got one level that's just messed up to distort what they say. But it is a whole nother thing to distort God's word. And I know as I'm saying that, some of you are going, well, not me. I wouldn't do that. I mean, not with God anyway. Careful, careful. Because I know a lot of Christians. And they clipper God. They clipper God's word. They cut and they paste. They delete parts of the Bible so they can do whatever they want in their life. And, and I hear it all the time because people, people are confronted with, with a scripture and you know a verse begins to convict us. And so what, what we do is we start clippering and cutting. You know, maybe it's about church involvement or, or giving or stewardship or serving or sex or honesty. 
And we go, ooh, I don't like that. Let's just get rid of that. Hmm? Now, I know. I, here's what I know about people. If I was to toss you a Bible, say, here's, here's a pair of scissors, go to it. All of us, for the most part, we'd go, oh, no way. I think you'd get struck dead or something if you did that. But we do it here. Here's one more. This is a hometown favorite or home state favorite. The Chicago Bulls. And this, this one's scary. I mean, we just live lies. You know, we're, we're one way at church and another way at work and another way at home and another way when we're out with the guys or the girls, another way when we're with our friends at school And in fact, if the truth were known, we lie so much, we're not sure what's true anymore. I mean, it's a secret. Got to keep it buried. Try to keep things covered so the stench doesn't follow us. And you're hoping that you can remember your line of bull that you are dishing out to the different areas. And you're praying that you don't get found out. I mean, what's the motive? I I think this one's pretty clear. It's selfishness. It's selfishness. I mean, a heavy dose of self-deception. But we're kind of like a bull in our approach to life. You know, we just, we lower the horns and we charge ahead because in our mind we're thinking, that's what I want. I want what I want, and I'm going to get what I want, and I'm going to live my life the way I want so that I can get that stuff. And we just push ahead. Now, I know as I'm sharing this last one, some of you are going, I feel better about the things I lie about because at least it's not that bad. I mean, mine aren't as bad as that. But I want to be, be clear. God's concerned about all these lies. You know, Proverbs says, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. And I know every time we're confronted with truth in our life, here's what we do, and we all do this. We have the uncanny ability to to begin to compare ourselves, to rationalize why we're doing what we're doing. We we try to compare our our truth quotient And here's how it goes. You look around, and then you find someone to compare yourself to. And what's interesting is you go, no, they tell the truth. No, no. And you find the person, what, that doesn't tell the truth as often as you do. And you go, hmm. And friends, as tempting as that is, I'll tell you, comparing on any level with anything, will mess you up, but it'll really mess you up here. You know, compare yourself to God's standard. Compare yourself to God and Jesus. You know, don't worry about the person next to you and what what their truth quotient is. And there's one other area. um, I didn't know where to put it. And because it's in a very, very different vein. But this is living with a lie. Maybe a family lie. 
Maybe it's a lie that's been buried for a long time. You know, you've been covering it up for years, maybe decades. The kind of lie where maybe you were abused or molested or you were hurt at such a level that you just never told anybody. And friends, hear me. The tragedy of this kind of lie is the person that ends up getting destroyed and torn apart didn't do anything. But they keep it buried. And they pay a very, very high price for that kind of secrecy. Now, sometimes... That, that painful lie that we've buried, sometimes it's because we did do something. You know, we sinned, uh, we, we committed some kind of crime or it feels as though it's a crime in our, in our minds. And it's of such magnitude that we just couldn't deal with it, so we just push it down. And we live our life from that lie in the past. I mean, it robs us every single day. It holds us captive. And it steals your future. That's been one of the most painful things to, to watch as a pastor when, when you can see what's going on. And friends, hear me. The only way out, the only way out is you've got to acknowledge the lie. you just got to acknowledge it uh, Begin a, a healing process. It may require counselors or psychologists, recovery groups, but you gotta you gotta come face to face with it. Jesus said, "Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." You know, I think sometimes we just jump over that that verse, but the fact is, if if we're willing to bear it to God, you know, face the truth is it's the way to freedom. It's the way to freedom. So all kinds of ways we can lie to ourselves. And we've looked at the MBA lies. That those are ones we just create and uh, think by what we say. So where are you with truth? I mean, let's just say you decided you want to change. Well, the beginning of honesty is no more secrets. God already knows everything anyway. You know, our scripture, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. First, you've got to confess the dishonesty. I mean, just go to God and say, you know what? I want to be a person of integrity. I want to break this awful, bad habit of mine of lying. You know, just say to God, God, I'm a liar. I admit I do not always tell the truth. You know, sometimes I tell half the truth. And God, forgive me. And then, second part, turn from the line. God will give you the power to change. It will not happen overnight, all right? But as you begin to replace deception with truth, as you get closer to Jesus Christ and God and that relationship's building, what you find is the closer you are to God, that you're going to be more 
in love with truth. You're going to be more likely to speak the truth, to live the truth. And just a a couple helpful things. Critique your conversations. Start out by critiquing your conversations, all of them. You know, when you're praying in the evening, take some time with God and just ask God to help you. You know, to pray pray a prayer and say, you know, God, did I deal truth today? Or did I have some NBA moves I put on? And, And then just wait. I mean, it's amazing because God, through the Holy Spirit, begins to open your eyes. You begin to see things where where you hit the court, you know, and and you're trying to do this NBA move on someone. And and then don't just stop there because I know the tendency is like, oh, well, I messed up. Next. But stay with it. You know, let God open it up in you. And, and God tells us if we have lied, wronged somebody, that we're to go to them and own it. We're to admit that we spoke untruth. And I've said this before. I mean, if you do this three or four times, you have to go to someone and say, hmm, hey, the other day we were talking and let me tell you, you don't do, after you do it a couple times, you go, you know what? It's easier just not to lie. I mean, you, you just find that uh, you stop yourself before you lie again, you know? It's just how it is. Two benefits if you do that. One, you can put your head down on your pillow at night with a clear conscience. And the other benefit, when you do have to go to someone, it leaves an impression on them. You know, that you came clean with them. Install lie detectors in your life. You know, find someone who loves you for who you are and ask them to hold you accountable. Ask them to confront you. You know, if you're embellishing something, if you're exaggerating, if you're putting a spin on it or stretching it or whatever. And if, if you're married, your spouse is a, a natural at this because I, I see husbands and wives all the time. And watch a wife hold a husband accountable, you know. It just happens naturally, you know, like you're at a party and the husband's like, yeah, I was out working in the yard. must have been 100 degrees out there. Honey, it wasn't 100 degrees. It was was in the mid-80s. Okay, so anyway, I I must have planted like 50 plants. Honey, it was 25. Ten holly bushes, four lilacs, six azaleas, and five rose bushes, 25. Uh, do I, I don't need to keep going, do I? <laughs> Install a few lie detectors. And the last piece, pay attention. Pay attention to the Holy Spirit. When you bow a knee and give your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit infiltrates your life, takes up residency. If you haven't taken that step, talk to me afterwards. You need to take that step, make Christ your Savior. But the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to guide us to guide us in all truth. You know, the Holy Spirit works inside to turn you and me into truth tellers. And how it happens is you're in a conversation and you feel that desire to go haywire, you know. You want to make something up so it makes you look good or maybe you feel the urge to to lie because you don't want to face the music or the tension. And so in that moment, if you're paying attention... The Holy Spirit will prompt you. 
nudge you and remind you to not go there. You'll sense it. You know, it, some people go, oh, well, that's like, you know, my conscience. Yeah, it is. Because the Holy Spirit is your conscience. You know, don't do it. Don't do it. It's not worth it. And if you respond to that nudging, what happens is the Holy Spirit kind of throttles back. And you can feel that affirmation from God. You know, the Holy Spirit saying, way to go. Way to go. I know you wanted to speak and say something that wasn't true. But you told the truth. You had an option to lie, but you didn't. And that's paying attention to the Holy Spirit. Friends, ultimately, your decision. Shh. I have a secret. No one knows. No one. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God. We all carry secrets. God, I pray that the words that roll off our tongue, the things we say, the things we believe, that we would stand for truth, that we would stand on truth. Because lies, they just mess us up whether it's something we said or something we believe, a lie is a lie is a lie. God, I pray that you would take our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would continue to guide our steps. God, we lift up all those lies to you. Just ask for your grace, your forgiveness. God, I pray as we leave this place that We'd make a commitment to be people of truth, to be truth tellers. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.